It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Sunny skies today, warming to the upper 50s. Clear and cool tonight, lows at 34. A mix of clouds and sunshine for our Tuesday. Highs at 57 with a low of 43 degrees Tuesday night. And on Wednesday, a strong cold front moves through. That's going to bring a widespread rain. It stays warm, though, with a high of 62. That rain moves out Wednesday night. 53 degrees now in Lynchburg, 52 in Bedford, 53 in Roanoke and Salem, 51 in Danville, 54 in Amherst, 48 in Appomattox. We're glad you're joining us here this morning on the Morning Jam. We have had a couple of weeks of just very tragic headlines uh, with the incident that happened in Charlottesville with the football players there and then the incident at the Chesapeake Walmart. Uh, it just seems like we're in a very volatile time period. Marco Galbraith is our go-to when it comes to these conversations. He is with T4 Tactics, and he travels the country training people with situational awareness classes uh, and does a variety of, of classes trying to, to keep us safe. Good morning, Marco. Thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on again. Well, I'm excited to, to have you on. I know you've got a, a podcast that you've just recently done. We're just going to hit some of the, the high points on this, and if people want to hear uh, all the details, we're going to tell them how they can do that. But one of the things yep. that you do, particularly, I mean, you travel all over the country and do this. Uh, sadly, these two were in fairly close proximity to us. But whenever situations like this occur, you go in and you talk to the people who were there, uh, witnesses, sometimes law enforcement. Tell us a little bit about how that process works for you. So, yeah, I, I try to, the reason why I do that is I've, I've been to some certifications for active shooter, and I've, I've uh, been to train-the-trainer classes. And I, for me personally, there's nothing wrong with those classes or certifications, but I just believe that there's nothing better than going out and getting primary source direct testimony from, what, from the people that were actually involved in that. It doesn't get twisted and turned, and then I deliver that. Um, but when I go to these scenes, the very first thing I do with my faith, the very first thing I do is I literally take a knee and, uh, and say a prayer for those involved, including first responders and law enforcement. But we have to remember that the first responders, fire, medical, police, they're going into some really bad uh, visualizations. Mm. So we got to remember them. In, in the prayers it's you know we, we look at it on the news oh that's horrible but these people will be haunted by some of this stuff for the rest of their lives um but i i, I pull people aside you know I, I very respectfully pull people aside and, and i've got law enforcement contacts where i can get information uh from inside the scene and then i talk to witnesses outside and everybody's willing to talk um chesapeake walmart had a lot of people out there offering prayer they had a memorial service uh you know a memorial set up uh, same with same with UVA. People really come together in in situations like this. But with the uh, the UVA shooter, you know, we kind of know a little bit about him. But he was a decent football player in 2018, and then all of a sudden he wasn't a decent football player because now he's cast into a bigger pond right. with a lot bigger fish. So so that was bothering him. He was not in this particular class that went to this field trip in D.C. He was in a social justice class. And his professor, because he was kind of a loner, his professor invited him to come on this field trip. So technically, he wasn't supposed to be on the bus. I mean, she, oh, she controls it. It's, it's okay. It's not a rule break or anything. But he wasn't in that class. Um, he sat on the back of the bus by the bathroom uh, on the way 
uh, up to D.C. on the way back. So he was, he was distancing himself. One of the female, females I spoke to said that she had been trying to uh, befriend him in this social justice class, and she was happy that he went. And on the way to D.C., she kind of spoke to him, and he was distant. On the way back, he was very, very, very distant. Um, she came back to her seat, and when she told me, she said, I came back to my seat and told the guy I was sitting next to, he's not himself. He's completely different. These are pre-attack indicators. People are off their baseline. That eerily calmness. Yes. He's in that predatory violence. He knows what he's going to do, and he's preparing himself for it. So he sat in front of the theater, or at the theater, he sat all the way up in the front, completely by himself. When they went out to eat, they went to an Ethiopian restaurant afterwards um, to eat. The the professor wanted to to have them experience that. Uh And uh, and he, he did sit with other students there. But just before he started shooting, he targeted the football players. Those, those guys that were shot were targeted specifically. And he mentioned something about a video game just before he started shooting. And then he yelled, you guys are always messing with me. Um, something about a video shooting, game? Yeah, nobody knows what he said, but he said something about a video. He said something about a video game just before he started shooting. And then he started yelling, you guys are always messing with me as he was um, delivering those shots. The, the girl that had befriended him and kind of knew him said that after the shooting, which was kind of towards the back and middle of the bus, when he was walking off, he had a completely different walk to him. He was like, she, she described it as swaggering off the bus. Well, I, so, I read one person who described it almost as skipping. Uh, yeah, yeah. Almost like a joyful thing. Right. Now, right. is that and something the, that you've seen before, Marco? Well, they've accomplished their goal. I haven't seen the skipping, and I haven't seen the joy. I, I, I hear very little about being, yeah. yeah, yeah. I hear very little about being um, joyful or celebrating about the attack. Columbine, those two boys did a lot of celebrating, a lot of taunting um, just before shooting victims. But it's rare that they, that they celebrate or, or swagger or skip when hmm. they do that. He got off the bus and shot, did a couple more rounds at the bus. Um, and the professor was yelling at everybody to get off the bus after he had gotten off the bus. Oh, dear. So that probably, yeah, that probably wasn't the best plan of action. But, again, under stress and under pressure, we don't know what's going on. Our world's completely upside down. Right. Uh, you know, it's hard to it's hard to judge that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I could see them using the emergency exit off the back once it started. Right. I could see that going right. on, certainly. Right. Uh, maybe they felt like they were sitting ducks if they stayed on the bus. Yeah, I mean, and the who knows? You know, we, yeah, yeah. I don't want to judge her for, for Absolutely yelling not. people to get off the bus. Yeah, yeah, because she could have put her head down when the shooting start, started and popped her head up and thought maybe the shooter was still on the bus. She doesn't know. Right. And and those those situations are completely upside down, so it's, it's not fair to armchair quarterback her. The Chesapeake Walmart shooting, we know it was an overnight team leader, uh, killed six people. He had a manifesto that's starting to come out. Um, one of the employees that I was talking to at the memorial said that he had been displaying, uh, he had been with Walmart since 2010 and he had been displaying a lot of concerning behavior, talking about maybe being demonic, uh, possessed by demons, oh, Lord. um, anti-government kind of threatening other employees. And then she looked at me and she said, I don't understand why he would do something like this. You had the warning sign, right. that, and that's threat assessment team. That's 
that's why I, I can't pound into people's head enough where we need a working threat assessment team at these businesses because, you know, you say all this stuff that he's threatening and he's anti-government and he's talking about being possessed by demons. He owns a, he's, uh, in fact, you know, he's admiring guns. Right. And then the next statement from her is, I don't understand why he would do this. And um, I, think, I think many of us, and I certainly have this trait, and I identified it a long time ago, um, and it has been to my peril in, in less tragic ways. But it's like if, if my brain won't go there, I immediately right. assume that nobody else's is going to go that way. And, I, and I'm Absolutely. like that with my children. Um, yeah, you know where where my ex husband might immediately go, you know they're doing this or they're doing that or that probably because he was doing that when he was a teenager because I didn't mm-hmm. do that I was like no they're not because I right. would have never done that well we can't assume yeah, yeah. that we we can't make right. those assumptions in any way right but it, you know if you look at these when these people do things in neighborhoods you know they kill their neighbor or they've got bodies in the house you know Jeffrey Dahmer the, the neighbors are being interviewed. You know, he was a little unusual, but I didn't think he'd do this. Well, sometimes being a little unusual, sometimes putting out clues. Uh, this shooter at Chesapeake Walmart was picked on. He was bullied. But right. yet an hour before the shooting, all of a sudden he's the nicest guy in the world, and he's joking with these team members. Uh, Fifteen minutes before the shooting, he's joking with these team members that he's getting ready to shoot. So he's off his baseline. And that's what we have to watch for is these Pre-attack indicators. Human beings are going to throw out pre-attack indicators. It's what we do. And we have to be able to, to uh, look at those. But, well, you know, one thing that got me, when my heart sank, when I first got to, uh, to Walmart, I pulled in there, and you see the crime scene tape, and you, there's 35, literally 35 FBI agents and right. police cars and medical and, and all the news media. Um, and I look over, and right next door, Sam's Club is fully open for business. And that's kind of a, a punch in the gut. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a corporate business owner, but I think I probably would have maybe closed half day or something. I don't know. Right. Well, um, I mean, it's, it, you, you know, know, it's hard to know. I do think it's interesting and in, in drawing attention, though, to what you just said. You know, th- it's almost like he intentionally tried to throw these folks and disarm them with his yes. kindness so that right. they wouldn't feel threatened right before. Um, but again, even if it's being kind, if that that is completely opposite from the way he normally acts, that's still uh-huh. a pre-attack indicator, even though he's right. being kind. He's off his baseline, and that's what we have to that's what we have to watch. Now, sometimes you know, if if you get a flat tire on the way to work and you come in, you're in a bad mood, you're off your baseline. That doesn't mean people are going to be an active shooter. People can have bad days, but but when if you're normal, things, is being grumpy all the time. That's right. Yeah. Right. That's right. And he was a decent person. And it goes back to active shooters are normally not violent nutcases. They're people that feel like they've been done wrong. This kid, you know, he put in his manifesto, the Chesapeake Walmart put in the manifesto that if people had just liked him um, in the late 70s. I have that here in front of me where he says he felt harassed. His true intent was never to murder anyone. I was actually one of the most, he's speaking about himself in past tense, I was actually one of the most loving people in the world if you would get to know me. Right. I well, wish I and that's could have a call saved for everyone help. from and, myself. And, yeah. If you look at these manifestos and if you look at uh, 
what what they've written prior to the attack and what they've done, they they feel like in their mind they're victims. That's how they justify it. Right? Is they feel like that they're victims. Um, Virginia has open carry. <laughs> I said this on my podcast, and and I'm at the memorial service, and there's family there bringing flowers and wreaths of loved ones that were just killed hours earlier. Uh, and here's this guy in a tank top, gym shorts, and open carry. Oh my lord! And one of the women, uh, oh, oh my goodness, I. With flip flops, oh and my gosh. Uh, I know There's I'm not so a violent many person, wrong but with that. yeah, there is. It's in a. It's I understand open carry's legal in Virginia, and it's your Second Amendment right. But just because we can doesn't mean we should. The woman I was standing next to that was crying, and people are comforting her. We're praying at the scene. She looked at that gun and she turned away from me and vomited. She threw up, oh and she said, gosh. "I get me away from that gun. Get me away from that gun." It's not appropriate. It's something like that. Right. Because people look at guns differently. His gun didn't bother me. I'm comfortable with it. But some people, especially yeah, but you, after something like that. You just got your loved one shot either. Exactly. Right? Yeah. By yeah. a handgun. Right. It's just not appropriate. If people want to hear the complete podcast of, of what you've learned over the past week or so, how can they hear it? If they go to my um, web, the easiest way is go to my website and just click on podcast. Okay. And it should be the first one that comes up. It'll be UVA and, and Chesapeake uh, shooting. I think that's the name of it. Okay. Um, it's anchor.fm slash T4 Tactics. But the website's the easiest route to it. It's on nine other podcast stations, so it's easy to find. All right. So it's the, the letter T, the number four, tactics.com. That's how you can get yep. that information. Marco, we appreciate you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. You guys have a good day. All right. You too. Uh, he works so hard at making sure we've got the information that we need. We're going to be back here on The Morning Jam. 866-916-3776 is our toll-free number. Thanks for starting your morning with us. The Morning Jam. The Morning Jam. Now the jingle hop has begun. Thanks so much for joining us this morning on The Morning Jam. We're glad you're here. Of course, we just got through the official start of the holiday season. Lots of people getting together. Lots of activities are going to be taking place in the next four weeks. And that means we need to be extra careful as we have a lot of things roaming around out there that we need to be aware of. Uh, not only have we started seeing some COVID-19 coming back in, but we also have the flu and RSV. we got Dr. Harb on the line with us this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Janet. How you doing? Oh, doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. We, had a, we took four days off here for a long holiday weekend. Oh, Close the nice. office Thursday and Friday, so it was really nice. Okay. Well, you're probably going to walk into a rush then. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, probably <laughs> that's so. that's okay. It's par for the course, I guess, though. So. so tell me what you're seeing right now as far as we're reading all these these headlines. Of course, uh, you know, some of my, my kids have come down with another version of COVID. seems like the young people, uh, we're seeing it more with them than we are with anybody else right now. Yeah, that's true. So we're seeing we're seeing a lot of flu A this year here in the office. Okay. Um, you know, you've got flu A and flu B, and flu A is the most common type that you see. And um, this year it's H three N two. That's the very that's the variety of the flu A we're seeing. Uh huh. It seems to be a it seems to be about be a little more severe than last year, and a little more, you know, a little more prevalent. So we're seeing a lot of that and treating a lot of people for the flu A, and then um, 
Of course, you're seeing some COVID as well, but more flu A than COVID right now. Uh-huh. And then um, you're also seeing some RSV, which you hear a lot about in the, in the news these days. And um, of course, RSV is not very, um, it's not very dangerous at all to adults, but right. it can be. It, it certainly can be more dangerous to um, older adults and adults with chronic diseases like emphysema or heart disease, that kind of thing. Um, but really, mainly uh, RSV affects kids in the three-month to three-year-old range primarily and it does make them so very sick yeah and it uh it can make little kids really sick and uh it tends to you know affect sort of the lower respiratory tract the lungs the bronchioles those areas in kids uh-huh. and um if a kid comes in with you know with coughing and wheezing and fever you know in that age in that age range you definitely want to check them out for rsv and uh they if they get really sick of course they, <clears throat> of course they have to be hospitalized but usually they can be treated um symptomatically with fluids and with rest and with, uh, you know, medications for the fever and with some uh, bronchodilators if they need that to open up their airways, that kind of thing. What is the um, best way for uh, a parent to, to to keep their child safe uh, as we're dealing with this resurgence of RSV? So RSV is so contagious, it's unbelievable. In fact, probably by the age of two or three years old, most kids in the, in the country have had it or have been exposed at least. And the problem with RSV virus is it can actually live on, uh, it can live for a while on the countertops or on toys, that kind of thing. Oh so, um, you know, it's just extremely contagious. And, um, you know, you touch a door, your kid can touch a doorknob or, you know, or uh, touch a toy another kid had and get it that way. So the only way to really prevent your kid from getting RSV is really to, if there's a lot of it going around in your neighborhood, to just kind of keep them away from, you know, playing with a bunch of kids, uh, you know, over at the neighbor's house or, 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 you know, the neighbor's kid or some other child the kid plays with is, has been seen coughing or something like that. Right. And you want to kind of keep them, keep them away from that kind of environment. And so. if you've got a, a child that's in preschool or if you, you know, have a go to church and there's the nursery, if you've got a child showing those symptoms, please do not take them to school or right. take them into the, right. the nurseries there exactly what about products like microband do do those work well in situations like this yeah oh yeah yeah i think so yeah because they tend to kill the you know kill viruses and germs on contact on surfaces and that kind of stuff so i know it um, doesn't work for everything but it seems like maybe with rsv if you used a product like that to keep your kids toys cleaned and keep the handles done and that type thing that would probably be a good idea I think that's a really good idea, and I think it would work to some degree with that. So, but uh, all right, it's let's so talk highly about contagious. The flu. Oh, go ahead. Let's talk about the flu uh, shot. What are your thoughts okay. on the flu shot in light of the types of flu that you're seeing this year? So the flu shot does uh, target flu A and flu B, and then um, flu flu B is primarily just in humans, and it's um, usually. Uh, not as prevalent as flu A. Flu A is the kind of flu that can occur in humans and animals, okay. and it has those, uh, and it has a variety of those uh, different ways of mutating. Which you, you know, you see, you hear HN1, H, you know, mm-hmm. H this and that, and so forth. So um, the the flu shot does target both of those uh, types of flu, and um, I think it's really important to get the flu shot this year. Okay. Um, it's and it's it's essential that people who are at higher risk uh, from chronic diseases like emphysema and so forth. They need, really need to get it every year. The problem, the problem with getting the flu shot is once you get the flu shot, 
every month after you get the flu shot, you have about a 15 to 20 percent reduction in the efficiency of that flu shot going forward. So if you get the flu shot really early, like in August, by the time you get into December or January, which is usually the height of the flu season, you're already down, you know, August to September, October, you're already down 60 percent on the strength of that flu shot. So my so recommendation can you get is another you wait one? until... Oh, okay. You can. You can actually get another one. And, you know, if you've gotten one in August, in a, in a, then in a bad flu year like this year, it might be a good idea to get another one in December or January. Uh, but I usually tell people it's better to wait till October to get your flu shot. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the flu season doesn't really, you know, sometimes the flu season will start a little earlier, but generally it doesn't. So it's, if you start, if you get your flu shot in October, you're pretty well protected through October, November, December, January, the, you know, the height of the flu season. Well, it's good to know that, you know, sometimes you, you feel like you get the, the flu shot and then if, the, if that flu is not covered, then, but it sounds like you're seeing a lot of the flus that that vaccine does yeah. cover. So that's good. Yes, we are seeing a lot of flu and we're, we're see, we seem to uh, have less problems with uh, patients who have gotten their flu shot this year. They seem to be pretty well protected. Managing think, it so. well. Well, Dr. Hart, yeah. thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, Janet. Have yes, a good one. You too. Yep. All right. Important information to to know. You know, he was saying that flu A uh, is transmittable between uh, animals and humans. Nebraska agricultural officials say that another 1.8 million chickens are having to be killed after the bird flu was found on a farm there. And that latest sign that an outbreak has already prompted the slaughter of more than 50 million birds nationwide uh, is continuing to spread there. And they say it's the state's 13th case of the bird flu there. Crazy. You know what that's going to do to chicken prices? Oh, boy. Bird flu has been uh, the leading contributor of rising prices of chicken and turkey, along with the cost of feed and fuel. Craziness. All right. We've got your local headlines with WDPJ7 coming up here very shortly. And we'll cover that. We'll also take a look at your forecast. Pretty mild for today. We'll enjoy it while we can. Thanks for joining us this morning on The Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Sunny skies today warming to the upper 50s. Clear and cool tonight. Lows at 34. A mix of clouds and sunshine for our Tuesday. Highs at 57 with a low of 43 degrees Tuesday night. And on Wednesday, a strong cold front moves through. That's going to bring a widespread rain. It stays warm, though, with a high of 62. That rain moves out Wednesday night. Currently 53 degrees in Lynchburg, 52 in Bedford, 53 in Roanoke and Salem, 53 in Danville, 56 in Amherst, and 50 in Appomattox this morning. So when we were off the air, I was looking at uh, a lot of celebrities were putting up photos, like Thanksgiving photos. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had um, Alec Baldwin, who has far too many little children. I don't know what that's about. He's got like seven children from under the age of nine. One is an infant. On Trying to, to do some math. He, he is like, yeah, you're, you're too old to be doing that, dude. I'm just saying. Uh, so that was kind of funny because it was an epic fail. Like they're all crying and mm-hmm. which is like a real family portrait. So that was kind of funny. Then Madonna shared her photo 
with her kids. Unrecognizable. I have no idea who this person is. I mean, grew up, certainly know who Madonna is. She has, like, had her face sucked and tucked and pulled up that, oh, my word, craziness. Yeah. Um, she doesn't look like herself. She does not look like herself at all. have no idea who that is. All right. Uh, going to the phone lines now. Good morning. You're on the morning jam. Hey, guys. How y'all doing this morning? Hey, good. How are you, Alan? Not too bad. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I, I got stuck going to Black Friday with my wife and daughter. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that was not fun. Not too good. I did not enjoy it. Oh, but, but you're a good uh, dad. Yeah, I had to do it. I something about they wanted to go to Alta. I don't know. You probably know what that is up yeah, there in Oak. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, apparently that's a, as bad as Bad Bath or what is it? <laughs> the uh, Bath and Body Works. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. But yeah, that's about as bad as that, I guess. But anyway, I. Uh, we went, uh, me and my daughter and my dad went to the Liberty game Saturday, and that was, it's almost like the team, and my dad said it too, he's like, they didn't lay down like the 1912 uh, Chicago uh, Cubs, or Chicago White Sox, you know, but they they didn't even try, um, and then we heard during the stadium, and my daughter was reading it on Twitter, about how Coach Hugh Freeze went in and told the player, or they confronted him, I guess, before the game, and right. about taking an Auburn job, and I mean, and, and he I, said I no, nothing had been offered, and nothing had been accepted. Yeah, but he, um, but apparently, all the news media is saying he's accepted the job. So I don't know, but I mean, I just uh, they the. The players did not play good, and it was just god awful. It's probably the worst football game I've ever seen. And they just laid down because the betting odds were ninety-five to five at the beginning of a game. I, I got my daughter to look it up. And Twenty-two and a half point win, favorites. Mm. Yeah. So how? And I mean, they didn't even try to stop the quarterback. That guy was running all over them, and my dad was just saying this. This looks as bad as the Chicago White Sox scandal, you know. But uh, I was like, well, yeah, kind of does. But it, we just, we were very disappointed. And all the buzz around the stadium was that the players and the coach had a big falling out before the game. So I don't know. But well, I think I, it would be I discouraging. Not the case. Certainly for them. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, but for the coach. Like my daughter said, we're big UVA fans too, but like she said, Bronco Mendenhall didn't even do say he was leaving until after the season. She's like, a Liberty coach is trying to leave before the season's over. And, you know, so I I mean, this might be the end of the Jerry Jr. uh, era because he was hired by Jerry Jr. and he was a questionable coach to start with, but I just, um, I, I just don't understand it and for the fans of Liberty, that was just very bad to see yeah. the other day. Yeah. Well, so, I, I, I get you. I hear what you're I saying, say, Alan. Oof. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. I was going to say, a, a benefit to Hugh Freeze, because he did just sign a new contract with Liberty, like a contract extension, and part of that was a different, a bigger buyout. So basically, like, 
Auburn, if he goes to Auburn, has to pay more, like $9 million to hire him. Good Lord. So that that is actually something he did for Liberty. Like, they're going to get a nice check if... If he does leave. If, when he does leave. All right, but do, you don't think... I mean, this happens I, I every year. Freeze, this happens in every year with every didn't team. Intentionally want this to yeah, get out. Yeah, it, it just to came out. Like his players, I don't think. This happens. You saw Oklahoma dealt with it last year with Lincoln Riley going to USC. LSU dealt with it, and these are bigger programs. LSU. Right. I mean, Notre Dame dealt with it with LSU uh, with Brian Kelly going. Like this is this is modern college football, and unfortunately for Liberty. The big bull, if you have a coach that is successful like Q Freeze has been and, right. and beats Power 5 opponents and has success in the SEC, you're going to have big programs Especially calling after him. the size of Liberty. Yes. Yeah. So it's mm. just, it's part of the uh, the business side of, of college football. Right. And, it, you know, if you don't understand how it happens, it's all about the money, money, money. He's going to get paid pretty nicely. Yeah. At, it sounds like Liberty will be as well. So. Well, a disturbing story. A dean at the University of Cambridge in the UK came to the defense of a junior research fellow whose sermon last Sunday about Jesus Christ having a trans body reportedly left outraged congregants in tears. I would have been fleeing so much afraid that the lightning would strike there. Uh, Dr. Michael Banner, the dean of Trinity College, said that Joshua Heath raised, quote, legitimate speculation at his Evensong sermon, during which the researcher claimed from the pulpit of Trinity College Chapel that non-erotic portrayals of Jesus's privates in historical paintings urge a welcoming rather than hostile response towards the raised voice of trans people. All right. In Christ's simultaneously masculine and feminine body in these works, if the body of Christ, as these works suggest, the body of all bodies, then his body was also the trans body. What the heck? You know, just because these pictures aren't like the statue of David does not, first of all, they're just artists. It's just an artist depiction. What the heck? These are not like anointed disciples that are drawing these photos, these these paintings. His, uh, his sermon, if you want to call it that, left many in attendance, including children, visibly uncomfortable, according to a congregant who fired off a complaint letter to, uh, to Banner. Shouts of heresy reported rang out in the church as incensed worshipers left in disgust. One church girl wrote to the dean, I left the service in tears. You offered to speak with me afterwards. I was too distressed. I am contemptuous at the idea that by cutting a hole in the man, he can become a woman, meaning that when he was his side was pierced for our transgressions in the crucifixion, that's what he was implying. I'm telling you, you talk about gaslighting. I mean, it's, it's coming even out of the church where people are, are starting to think, uh, just second-guess everything they ever knew. Um, the 
Dean said, for myself, I think the speculation was legitimate. Whether or not you or I or anyone else disagrees with the interpretation says something about the artistic tradition or resist its application in contemporary questions around transsexualism. The dean added he would not issue an invitation to someone who I thought would deliberately seek to shock or offend. Really? Because I can think of few things that were more offensive than that. The college would like me to make clear the following. A spokesperson for Trinity College said, neither the dean of Trinity College nor the researcher giving the sermon suggested Jesus was transgender. (laughs) Okay. Well, that makes it so much better, doesn't it? The sermon addressed the image of Christ's depiction in art and various interpretations of those artistic portrayals. The sermon's exploration of the nature of religious art in the spirit of thought-provoking academic inquiry was in keeping with open debate and dialogue at the University of Cambridge. Lord, help us all. I don't know. All right, we got to cleanse the palate. Cleanse the palate. Pray Deep for breath these in. people and cleanse the palate. Deep breath in. And out. It's time for Janet's Five and Dine on the Morning Jam. Give her five minutes and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight. Five and Dine is brought to you by our friends at FNL Market. They're located on Memorial Avenue in Lynchburg, cutting and grinding fresh meats every single day and working hard to keep their prices low so you can keep your food bill in check. They've got some great deals going on right now, and uh, you're going to want to get by there and stock up for the holidays for sure. Now, if you're like me, chances are you're going to have all things leftover turkey. I've already made a delicious uh, turkey noodle soup, which basically does taste like chicken noodle soup. And uh, a turkey salad is going to be on the menu for many folks this week. I'm going to give you a delicious recipe for one called a cracked turkey salad that is delicious piled high on a sandwich or scooped up with your favorite crackers. Um, This is what you're going to need. Three cups of diced leftover turkey. Then you're going to add in the cubed turkey, some crumbled bacon, and a cup of shredded cheddar cheese and set that aside. Then in a smaller bowl, you're going to mix together a half a cup of Duke's, fourth of a cup of ranch, a fourth of a cup of green onions that you've all chopped up, two teaspoons of Worcestershire sauce, and some ground black pepper. After you get all that mixed up, you're going to put the turkey, the bacon, the cheese in there, and then mix everything together. Let it refrigerate for a minimum of two hours. If you like, you can add in some dried cranberries, maybe some slivered almonds to take it up a bit. Really delicious, a little bit different turkey salad. Check out the recipe by going to Facebook. Type in Janet's Five and Dine. You'll find this recipe and all the recipes that we share. It's brought to you by FNL Market, where their meats are a cut above. Before you fire up the coffee maker, turn on the morning jam. Hope you're having a great Monday so far and are all refreshed from a a long weekend. Many of you were able to enjoy a long weekend, and I'm glad to hear your Thanksgiving story. Sounds like everybody's meal turned out great. Nobody had any major disasters. Nothing blew up. As far as I know, we didn't even have any um, fire alarms go off. That is good. No fire alarms in the... uh enrichment for me okay see very good uh some folks did have some you know questionable things happen over the uh the weekend that's a way to put it a lot of folks are traveling and uh 
and spending a lot of time in airports with the delayed flights. Uh, an x-ray image by the security staff at New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport noticed something a little strange in one of the traveler's bags. It ended up being a stowaway cat. They said the uh, x-rays at the airport noticed what appeared to be the outline of an animal. When I'm looking at the picture of the outline, it almost looks like a plastic animal or something in the in the imagery. So the bag was opened up by a TSA officer who was very surprised to find a large orange tabby cat inside. They let the cat out of the bag. Uh, TSA agents told Delta Airlines about the discovery. The airline was able to locate the owner of the bag who was preparing to fly to Orlando. The bag's owner was surprised to hear that the cat was in the bag and said it belongs to another family member. He was able to rebook another flight for the next day so he could take the cat home. Cats will do that. Dogs will also do that. My littles will crawl, and it would be easy for one of my littles to get in a bag yeah. and get covered up because, you know. Good thing I have a dog that cannot fit in any one of my bags. That would be a very, certainly not on the carry-on. I, have to, would I would have to have one. a big, big suitcase. That would have to be the world's largest suitcase for him to get on there. Well, apparently the cat was fine and was able to get back home, and that, that is good news. Now, as embarrassing as that may have been, that is nothing compared to this fiasco that happened at the Vikings game. This is... So apparently, it started out as a good thing, but as always, there's got to be some jackalope that's got to mess things up. An NFL team that encouraged fans to join in honoring members of the American military, Minnesota Vikings. They faced off against Dallas on Sunday at their home field. They were running a salute to service event in which the organization asked fans to submit photos of family members who had served so that the whole stadium could salute and honor them. If fans posted photos of service members they wished to honor to Twitter and used the hashtag Skull Salute, the Vikings promised they had a chance to be featured on the video board says, we're honoring our nation's service members, veterans, and their families during the game day against Dallas. In the week prior to Sunday's game, share photos and stories of your loved ones who have served and are currently serving with hashtag Skull Salute for a chance to have them featured on the Jumbotron. (laughs) One fan submitted a photo of a man who was dressed in military garb. He's been seen a lot, apparently, on the Internet. I wouldn't know him. Uh, in special videos. Well, he's a porn star. Yes. Is, is, and I only know him because he, he became a meme. He is a meme. That's true. He's been you, But is he obviously... I mean, there must be dirty memes, I'm guessing. Uh, well, well it's just because... They're suggestive Basically, memes. a lot of people have done this before where it's like, hey, honor my blank. He's a blank. I've seen okay. it as a doctor. Like, his different roles. So, right. So, yeah. That's how I know him, folks. Okay? That's, I just, that's I just want to... Want to clarify? It does look like a legitimate somebody in yeah. legitimate military guard. I, it's not I like, feel like in this case, because this is not. I, I'm. It's not. Like I'm not they, enjoying this conversation with you about a porn star. Just be frank. Um, but uh, I don't know why, unless you're watching porn. No, then, I don't. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. I, I give me a lie detector test. You're I, the worst liar ever. Anyway. I, I, so okay. So he's very famous for dressing up <laughs> as various jobs, and. Um, 
And so somehow, out of all the people, because I'm sure they had a lot of people submitted, this guy ends up on the Jumbotron. Really? This is my cousin, Joel, who served in the Army. He's always been an inspiration and someone I look up to for his heroism. He's also a huge Vikings fan. And it does look like a legitimate photo, but obviously there are quite a few people who knew, you know, who that was from his other work, shall we say. That's a good way to put it. The good news is they did actually honor real American military, real heroes, and not just this stuff. That's embarrassing. You're trying to embarrass me. I'm not trying to embarrass you. It's a, I mean, it's just a, I thought maybe it was something that was blatantly clear that it wasn't a legitimate, but it's not. So that mistake could have happened for anybody. Yes, but if, think, probably. if you had a social media or whoever the person is that had like. They should have been more savvy than that. For yeah, because sure. this is, this has been done before. This is not like the first try at this. With this particular character or just in general? With Johnny Sins, yes. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. And at least they did. They didn't use his regular name. So yes, <laughs> they did at least change well, his name. Well, I don't think that's his regular name either. But yeah, I get your point. <laughs> but I mean, his famous name. Yes. After uh, launching Artemis One, the NASA official claims a NASA official claims people could live on the moon as early as this decade. Let's go. I'm moving. Bye. To the moon. Yeah. There's not much to see up there. I know. But Everything's why the same not? color. It's a lot bunch of craters and you don't get your seasons i don't know howard hughes said that the agency plans to have people living on the moon in the near future he says in this decade i don't know about that uh depending on how long we'll be on the surface they'll be living they'll have habitats they'll have rovers on the ground not only are we able to work in delivering people to the moon getting people down to the surface of the moon they will have infrastructure he said he said the people living on the moon's surface will be more concerned with the science behind it rather than just living there. Trey, so you need to, like, develop a skill or something. I don't think they're going to be playing football on the moon. I'm pretty I, sure. I, does, I, I'm not good at football. That's why I have this job. Well, what sport are you going to play on the moon is my point. You love sports. What are they going to play no, on the moon? No, I talk about sports. So I can still, like, people can play it, and then I can use the skill of commentating on it. That's my on skill. On the moon? Why not? Oh, Lord. Uh, he says that NASA's missions are to see if there is water at the moon's south pole. The agency can convert to fuel for spacecraft to go into space, and that could have implications for research on Mars. Question. Moons, yeah. is, so is there a moon Santa, and is he at the North Pole? I don't know. Because that could be I important. If there's kids there, how would Santa get to the moon? I don't think the, the theoretically kids are speaking, be it's, to it is, it's literally impossible for someone to get from the Earth to the moon in one night. Yeah, I don't think kids are going to be allowed to do that. Okay. I mean, I just, you know. that's I, I would agree with that, but I just... Certainly not within the next decade. We got a lot of things to work out, it appears. Yeah, evidently. You're listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network, 100.9 WIQO Forest and 106.3 WMNA-FM Greta Danville.